All right, let's stand together as we read God's word. Romans chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. Here we go. For I am under obligation. Paul is writing here, and the words under obligation, the literal, the literal words are, I am a debtor. I am in debt to. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, So, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I ask you to come and speak today. Would you enlarge our hearts? Would you help us to hear we, we, you hear a lot about what's going on in our life and what we'd like you to do. Could you help us today hear what's on your heart, what you think about? We love you. Speak, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message is Our Debt to the Nations. And point one is accepting our mission. So I have, through the years, enjoyed the Mission Impossible movies. Um, I don't know how long Tom Cruise can keep making these movies, but I don't know what installment was the most recent one, maybe part four or five, I don't remember, but I saw it. Here's what I love about these movies. It is the great adventure. It is Tom Cruise. He's Ethan Hunt, and he's part of the IMF, which is the impossible mission force. And every movie starts the same way. Somehow they contact Ethan, and he finds this mission wherever it is and it only his eyeballs or his fingerprints can hear the message and they the, they he sees the little video and they describe some impossible situation this epic worldwide problem that could be the end of mankind if somebody doesn't do something but there's really no way to do what needs to be done and we are calling you we're calling the IMF to step up and do this and then here's how it always ends this is your mission if you choose to accept it and then this message is going to evaporate in five seconds and then you see the smoke coming. It's kind of cool. It's just cool. Accepting our mission. Paul had embraced his mission. He says, I am a debtor to everyone, I'm to the barbarian, to the Greeks, to the Jews, to the wise, to the foolish, I am in debt. How can Paul possibly be in debt to people that he hasn't even met? Well, there's two ways you can get in debt. One way is somebody 
has given you something and you are in debt to them until you repay them. But there is a second way to be in debt. And that is this. If somebody gives you something that you're supposed to give to somebody else, it's your responsibility. You can, it can be said that you are in debt to that person until you give what was given to you for them. So in this sense, in this latter sense, Paul has a debt. Paul has been given something. He has been given the gospel of God's free grace. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. It and it alone is the power of God to save anyone who believes. And Paul has been, has been saved by this gospel. He has received the grace of God. And now part of the gospel he received is that he now needs to share it with everybody else. It's part of his debt. He has been given a message to give to somebody else. And until they have received that message, he's still in their debt. It's kind of like the UPS truck. The UPS, you give them something, you entrust something to them, and they have a debt to pay until they get it to wherever it is supposed to be. In that sense, we Our mission involves a debt. We we just went through the book of Jonah. Here's one way to think of it. Jonah was given a message for the Ninevites. Until he gives that message to the Ninevites, he is in their debt. He, He has an obligation to them because God gave him something that was to be proclaimed to them. So what is our mission if we choose to accept it? Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Interesting. This is called the Great Commission. It's not just to preach the gospel. It's not, I'm giving you a message and you need to go preach it. You need to get it on the internet or get it on the radio or, or find a way to get that, ma- or put it in a shoebox, but you need, you need to just get the message to them. No, that's not what it says. It says you need to go make disciples. This is going to take a little more than just getting, making sure everybody hears the message. You actually need to plant churches and you need to make disciples. You need them to become disciples. Disciples that will follow all the commands that I have given to you. They're not disciples until they have embraced all of the commands, including the one that he's giving right now. His last command is our first concern. To really be a disciple, you have to embrace this mission as your own 
mission. That this is part of my discipleship. That I am now in debt to all the nations to make disciples of all nations. Now, that's a heavy burden. But I want to point something out to you. Jesus isn't giving this to a person. He's giving it to a community. It is the, the 11 are gathered together and many others are gathered. This is the Christian community. This is the early church. And he says, you need to go. You, plural, need to go and make disciples of all nations. This is a team. This is a force that I am sending out to carry out this this mission. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So this is Paul's logic of how the team works. That, guys, there's a world out there, and the idea that God's going to do this apart from us, and they're just going to believe because God appears to them in dreams, that's not, God can work supernaturally, but frankly, the Bible says that as they went out preaching, God confirmed his word with signs and wonders, that that God, God works with us. He says, Paul says, somebody needs to go. They can't, they can't believe unless somebody preaches to them. Somebody actually has to go and bring the gospel to them. And so part of what we do as we pray for the Great Commission, we pray that God will raise up people to go. Yes, we're witnesses here. We're witnesses in our Jerusalem. Every one of us needs to embrace that. We, we can all reach the people around us. But what about the people that aren't around us? What are the people in other countries? Are we responsible for them too? Yeah, we really are. And so as we pray, God speaks and God raises up people that are called to go to other countries, to other nations, to bring the gospel there, to preach the gospel there, to make disciples there. But then Paul finishes the thought by saying this. How can they go unless someone sends them? They are going to people. The reason why people are unreached is because they're really hard to reach because there's not resources there, because nobody believes there, because for a number of reasons, people, we need to go to them, and they can't expect the people that are there to support them, they don't even believe yet. So somebody has to send them. Somebody has to be on the team that is called, not just to be a witness where they are, but to participate in sending others to other nations. We call it cross-cultural missions, where you are called to leave your culture and go to another culture, learn that language, learn uh, the ins and outs of how that, that the dress, the, uh, the housing, everything about another culture, and you're called to go over and reach them. 
This is God's plan for the nations. Some are called to go, and some are called to send. I don't know why we need all these people to go to missions. Why can't we just get nationals to do the work? Well, we do. That's a lot of what missions is, is training nationals to do the work. But, but you need to understand the power when somebody goes cross-cultural. First cross-cultural ministry was Jesus. Jesus left heaven. He left one culture. He left comfort. He left beauty. He left everything that was familiar to him. And he came to a different culture. He was born in a stable. He was born on this planet. He was born to poor parents. And he grew up on this planet. And part of why we are so in love with Jesus is because that he went cross-cultural. He became one of us. It's part of visibly seeing the love of God. He came to us. It's amazing. Part of why all of Nineveh repented was because Jonah went cross-culture. Jonah's from Israel. The idea that somebody would come from Israel and speak a message to them was just off the charts for them. They're like, this could only be God. And it is, it is alarming to people in other cultures when somebody from America has raised money to send them to come into their culture. Whatever they're bringing must be really, really valuable because it's hard for them to even understand how did you get here and how do you, how do you pay your expenses and oh my, there's a whole church behind you sending you. This is, this is the team accepting our mission. Point two, why some don't accept their mission? Well, this is fun. I'm going to give you three reasons. There's probably more, but I'm going to give you three reasons why we don't accept our mission. Number one, we want to justify ourselves. That it's not our mission. This is somebody else's problem. I'm not called to that. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a pastor. Why would I be called to the nations? And why do I have to even think about the nations? I got problems of my own. Thank you. Charles Dickens wrote The Christmas Carol. And of course, they've made it into a movie. It's probably one of the most famous Christmas movies. And in this movie, Jacob Marley appears to Scrooge. Jacob Marley is Scrooge's dead business partner. And he appears to him as a ghost. And Scrooge is, is freaking out, and, and he's carrying this long, long chain around as part of his punishment for how he lived his life on earth. And Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, is offended by this chain. He says, Jacob! You shouldn't have that chain. You are a good man. You are a man of business. And here's what Jacob Marley says in response to that. Business! Mankind was my business. The idea that I had a right 
to just live my own little life and just be a businessman and just take care of me and mine and have my own little profit and my own thing. Uh, Mankind was my business. And I chose to bury my head in the sand. I chose to close my eyes to people and to a God that would have said, I have a responsibility, not just to my little group, but to mankind. I get it. I don't like debt. Who wants to pick up a debt? Having a debt means I'm restricted in my freedom. I can't just do whatever I want to do because I have a debt. Well, welcome to the Christian life. Welcome to discipleship. You don't just get to live how you want to down here and justify it and this is my right to live however I want. No, you don't have a right to just, that's really what being a disciple is, is you give up your rights to live how you wanted to and say, Jesus, I embrace what you want for me. Isn't this a fun message? Let's move on. Second, it's too hard. Oftentimes, people accept their mission for a while, and they're kind of excited when they're young Christians about helping with Sunday school and and giving to missions and maybe even going on a short-term trip, and there's usually a lot of zeal up front, and I'm going to work with the youth, or I'm going to work with somebody, and and there tends to be a lot of energy. I'm going to try to reach out to my friends. I'm really really part of this thing, And, and then at some point, you realize it's too hard. What do I mean by people don't want to get saved? We already did it. We already tried. They don't, they don't want to get saved. They want to live for the world. They want to do their own thing. It's too hard. Well, there's a reason why it's called Mission Impossible, folks. It's the impossible mission force. Listen to what it says. In Luke chapter 15, verse 4, listen to the heart of God. Jesus says this, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Do you see that this isn't about that sheep that's lost? It's about the shepherd's love and devotion and commitment to that sheep. See, this is not just go out and preach. This is, you keep going, you keep after them, you keep following them be, until they, they, they're found. And what if they say no, Lord? Then you, then, God never hears no. Whenever somebody says no to the gospel, when your child says no, when your relative, your coworker says, nope, don't want to get saved, here's what God hears. No for now. No for now, but I'm, I'm going to continue to pursue you. I'm going to continue to come after you. I am not giving my people a right to give up because it's hard. They need to continue to love, continue to reach out, continue to make a way for people to come. Did you know that there's different levels of UPS depending on how much you want to pay? You could just pay for them to drop the box off. 
You can pay for the contents to be insured so that if, if it doesn't, they don't pick it up or it gets lost, then you, you get restored. But there's a level. If you're willing to pay enough, then it has to be received by signature. And the UPS just keeps coming. They, they're not done with their debt until the other person, a real person on the other side, actually signs and accepts that package. Costs more. Okay? Here's our mission. We're not just supposed to deliver the package. They have to sign for it. <laughs> We're not done until they sign for it. We're not done until they say, yep, I'm in. Yep, I want to follow Jesus too. Impossible. Yeah, that's why people retire. You know, most of the later movies, Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt, is either in retirement or planning to retire. Because it's time for somebody else to save the world. It's too much. It's too big of a burden. It's too much risk, too much sacrifice. Somebody else can do it. And he just keeps getting called back in. Guys, we don't, we don't get to, as disciples, we don't get to, to retire. There is no retirement in the kingdom, only reassignment. Only reassignment. Do you know in these last couple weeks, I had a startling uh, interview with one of our secretaries. She pulls me aside, gets me in the office. I can't imagine what this meeting is. This is a special meeting. Pastor Tom, can I meet with you? And she says that she's 69 years old. She's worked at the church for over 30 years. And here's what she tells me. God's calling me to be a missionary. God's calling me to go. She'll tell you that story more at another time. She's, she's done here at the beginning of December, and she's going, her and her husband are going to be going to the mission field. 69 years old! What does that do to the heart of God? I just think it's amazing. It's too hard. It's too hard. Yeah, that's why we need him. That's why we have to pray. That's why he's with us. That's why we, we have his authority. That's why we, when people don't receive, don't receive, don't receive, we realize, oh, we're going to need a little more. So we pray for more of the Holy Spirit. We pray for more of his intervention. We pray for more miracles. We pray, God, they didn't receive it that way. Do something the other way. God has resources, folks. He just needs somebody to care enough to ask him for them. Mission impossible. It is impossible for man to save anybody. But with God, all things are possible. And then the third reason why we don't accept our call, this is probably the most prevalent one, is God won't make us. Matthew 9, 36 through 38. I'm just going to read it. When he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The, the immediate question is, why are there few workers? 
Why are there few workers? Here's why. God won't make us accept our mission. He only invites us. He says, this is your mission if you choose to accept it. Do you know that Jonah never accepted the full mission? He never accepted the debt for the nations. He, he accepted a task that he needed to do, and he did his one task. But the book ends, and he doesn't have a heart yet for this. This is God's heart. It's on God's heart. Jonah's thinking more about the plant that comforts him. And God's challenging his value system. Jonah's not there yet. We have no better friend than Jesus. The question is not whether he is a friend to you, but are you a friend to him? Can, can, we, can we sing together? Please have these words. Please have these words. What a friend. Here we go. Sing this with me. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Here's how great a friend Jesus is. There's nothing he won't help you with. It says that when he gives wisdom, it's without finding fault. He'll help you buy a car. He'll help you get a job. He'll help you with your relatives. He'll help you get through your day. He'll help you with your children. There's nothing that Jesus wants. He'll help you plan your vacation. If you invite him in, you, you want his help, you bring him in, you submit every anxiety to him, he will help you with everything. He is unconditionally in love with you, committed to you, and if that's all you want from your relationship with him, that's all you're going to get. Jesus is your best friend, whether you know it or not today. If you need to be saved today, he'll, uh, there'll be a chance. Your friend who died for you, who loves you, who's committed to you, wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to take away the burden of sin and shame and all that that creates. But the question today isn't is Jesus your friend? It's are you his friend? What, Pastor Tom, what do you mean? Aren't we automatically his friends? No, no. No, no. Friendship is when it's two ways. Friendship is when, okay, Lord, I just told you everything that's on my mind and my heart and what I need. Lord, what's on your heart? What are you thinking about? What, 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 what do you, what, do, what keeps you up at night? It's right here. Jesus sees the multitudes. There's not a human being that he doesn't see. He sees every nation. And he feels compassion. The same compassion he felt when he saw them, he feels compassion. Why? Because they're helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Did you know that sheep need a shepherd? 
Did you know the human beings need Jesus? They need Jesus. This, they don't function well. Sheep, sheep are not smart. They'll just go eat poison. They don't know the difference between anything. They'll just go out and do it. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep are defenseless. There's, there's predators. Have you noticed how little sheep have to defend themselves? They need a shepherd. This is the human race. We were not created to be on our own. We were created to have a shepherd. We were created to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He sees the multitudes and he cares about them. So as we seek friendship with Jesus, he takes us beyond our own little world, our own needs, our own what's going on today. And he says, I care about that person you're working with. I care about that family member that you don't like. I care about them. I'm calling you to to be my heart for them, to be my hands to them. He calls to churches. He says, this is great. City church, this is great. I'm so happy to help you with your new design and your new whatever. But but I, I... I'm concerned about the nations. I'm concerned about people that don't have what you have and I want, I want to reach them. Would you, would you pray? Would you ask me, the Lord of the harvest, to raise up workers? Would you all make yourselves willing to play whatever role I want you to play in either going or sending because I care. I need you in this hour to be more than my favored sons and daughters. I need you to be my friends. God invites us into friendship. He won't make us be his friends. Point three, last point. Embracing God's heart for the nation. So how do we go from just doing the task that Jonah did, to embracing his heart. That's the book of Jonah ends with God calling him to enlarge his heart. You're you're concerned about a plant, Jonah. You're ready to die because you're not shaded properly anymore. Come on, Jonah. I'm concerned about the nations. Come up higher. Uh, I want you to embrace my heart. And so so what what we're trying to do is help all of us to enlarge our hearts. For the nations. That's why we do short-term missions trips. These teenagers come back and they're they're different just because they went to another culture. They saw that people, there's people, they don't live like we live. They don't have houses like we have. They're getting by on very little. And it, it, it touches them, it moves them in a way that makes their life bigger. It makes them less American because they were there. We, we've got short terms. We, we sent some women out last year. We've got some men that are going to Mexico in November. We're planning a young adult trip to Mozambique next year. We'll, we'll definitely take the youth to, to Belize next year again. Why? We want not only to, for us to experience short-term missions, but you can also experience it if somebody else goes and comes back and tells you their story, and you just listen to their story. It enlarges us. It enlarges our, our, our hearts when we are willing to hear about another culture. We're willing to hear about what, how God touched somebody over there. 
There's a second thing we do here to enlarge our hearts, and it's called the Missions Convention. And what we do this year, we're bringing like 30 missionaries back from all over the world. Why? (laughs) There's nothing like rubbing shoulders with these people. There's nothing like hearing their stories. Every night we'll, we'll, of the missions, we'll have a, 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 somebody speak on missions next Sunday. She is amazing. It's Ruth Hubbard. She's in charge of all of Urbana. Urbana is this massive intervarsity, does it? It's a massive conference for world missions. It's held every three years in St. Louis. 15,000 students from all over the world come together and hear about what God's doing in the nations. Why? To, to stir their hearts up to stir up their hearts for what is God's first concern, which is the nations. Which He loves the 99 that are righteous, guys. But his heart is breaking for the one that's still lost. Who's going to go? Who's going to send them? Who's going to care even that they're lost? God cares. And he's calling us to care. And so we bring in these, these missionaries, and frankly, you sit down and have coffee with them. You have them over to the You come in on one of the nights. We'll have two share each night. It's really actually fun. It sounds like it might be boring. It's not boring. It's very fun. They tell us their adventures. They show a little few pictures. Uh, we're eating by 8 o'clock. Because 6.30, we're eating by 8 o'clock. How, how can you beat that? Guys, whatever happens from 6.30 to 8, you're eating at 8. Um, But here's what happens around the table or as they share or as we we do our prayer meeting around them that Tuesday night. Here's what you find out. Oh my. (laughs) These are not amazing people. These people are just like me. They just have a different calling than me. And they have risen up in courage even though they're just like me, have the same desires, the same needs, the same everything, and they are, they have risen up and are the, being the best version of themselves by obeying God's call, by obeying God's call on their life, which is nothing less than our call. We're all called. We might not be all called to go to the other nations, but we're all called in some way. And what happens is, thank you, Leo. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. It's amazing. You just hang around these people and your heart gets enlarged. God starts moving in your heart. God starts expanding your heart. God makes your whole life have more meaning because you care more for somebody else. And then finally, embracing to embrace God's heart for the nations investing in missions. Look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now this is astonishing. Our money is so important to us that when we spend it or invest it in a certain way, our heart actually changes. It follows the money. When we we decide something is valuable enough to invest in and we actually give money towards it, our hearts are affected. This is how God set it up. God doesn't need money. 
God's not, money in itself is not important to God. Here's what's important to God. We are. We are so important to God that he died on the cross for us. But money is really important to us, and therefore money has become very important to God because we're important to God. And if this is, you can't serve God in money. This is, so God will come and he will make as part of discipleship, I'm calling you to invest. I'm calling you to send, not just by praying, but by giving. So last year's missions conference, this is the only time of year that we ask for money. It's not the only time of the year. It's the only purpose. The only, the only reason we ask for money is for missions. Um, we just run on tithes and offerings, and you'll find this out. Unless it's in the text, we don't talk about money. We don't pass a plate here. The time we talk about it is missions. And so last year, we are, uh, during our missions week and, and through our, the pledges that we take, which I'll describe in a minute, our, our goal was 210000 that we would roll, uh, that we would raise in gifts and in pledges to meet the needs of our missionaries for another year. Do you guys know that so much money came in last year for missions from you folks that our missions committee gave additional gifts to our missionaries of $42,654. You don't know what this means to a missionary. Missionaries are used to churches dropping them. Churches that were excited for a while, they send them a letter and say, oh, we're having trouble at home. We're not supporting you anymore. That's what missionaries used to. Here's what they're not used to. Oh, here's an extra check. So much came in for missions. Do you know what this does for our missionaries? It's just astonishing. Here's part of what we are doing. Let me just give you one little sample. In October and November, um, Nick Gibson is the pastor at High Point, and they asked us if we would join them. They've got a ministry to training pastors in an Asian country. It's so dangerous, I can't even tell you which country it is. And, he, and they asked if we would join them. So Nick and I are going together to train 1,000 pastors, Asian pastors, in four different cities for two days. Each one for two days. Each, each of the seminars is for two days. These 1,000 pastors are in love for Jesus. They're risking their life for Jesus. They just don't know that much. They just don't have training. And so we, I don't say me, it's we. I couldn't go except that you and the missions committee is sending me. We are paying for the pastors to come together. City Church gave $7,000 to bring these pastors together. They couldn't afford to come together otherwise. And we're gonna ha- I'm going to have a chance to deposit into 1,000 pastors. Do you know what that does for 1,000 pastors? They go back to their 1,000 churches. And City Church is now just... Help make disciples of the nations. We, I can't go without you sending me. We're going to do a pray 130 for the week that I'm going. The two weeks, there's a, there's a pray 130 in there where, where there will be 24-7 prayer. Last year when I went to China, there was a, a, a pray 130 happening. 
So our goal this year, so last year's goal was 210,000. This year's goal is 225,000. Here's how it works. Tomorrow morning, a letter will go out from me to all of the members. If you're officially a member here, went through our membership, you're going to get this letter. And it's going to state what the goal is. There will be a pledge card um, in the letter so you can see what the pledge card looks like. And, uh, and what we will do, not next Sunday, and next Sunday the missions conference starts, but it's actually the Sunday after that, September 30th, is pledge Sunday. And on that day, there will be a pledge card in every single bulletin. So you'll come in, you'll get your bulletin. Oop, there's a little card in there. And it's the pledge card. And here's all we do with the pledge cards. It's simply a recognition that most people cannot give a big gift right away. They just don't have that extra money. But they could if they made it over a year's time. They could, they could say, hey, I can give this much a month and, and make a pledge. Sometimes people give a gift right away and then they also make a pledge. This is what I plan on doing throughout the year. And what it does for our, it changes our missionaries. See, our missionaries, just like you and I do, they run on a budget. They, they need to know if that money is going to be there. And so this is just a system whereby we can say, yes, we have pledges and gifts that you can have confidence. This will be there in this coming year. And so here's how we will end that service on the 30th. We had a great missionary speaking that day. But at the end, I will come back up. We'll all stand up. We'll all hold those pledge cards in our hand. We'll just have a prayer. Lord, our goal is 225,000, but we have a higher goal. There's a higher goal than 225,000. The highest goal we have is this, is that we will touch the heart of God, that we will move the heart of God, that God will look down and say, oh my, my friends, my friends are listening, my friends are responding. I don't think any one of us could just write a check for 225,000, but we can do our part. We can step up and say, here's what I can do. And then we never, we never like have baskets go around. What you do with your pledges is you just, as God leads you, as you pray, as, as you try to respond to him, um, you, you write your pledge down or your gift and you just put them in the giving boxes. And a few weeks after that, we will announce to everybody what the total was, what we did together. So I want to close with this. If we could have the uh, worship team come. If you wouldn't mind just for a moment bowing your head and closing your eyes. Here is the first response that I want to pray for. The first group of people that I would like to pray for. You are here today and you're not sure you're a Christian. You, you don't know if you died, you would go to heaven. You're not sure that your sins are forgiven. But here you are in church. Here's what I want you to know today. <laughs> no matter what you've said to God or haven't said to God, to this point, all he's taken it is no for now. He's still here. He still loves you. Many waters cannot quench his love. Many sins cannot quench his love. Whatever things you've said to him can't quench his love. He still loves you. He died on a cross for you. 
He is in the world today by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he is the good shepherd that is chasing you down. Wherever you're caught, whatever thicket you're caught in, he is looking for you and he's going to keep pursuing you until he finds you. And the Bible says here's when he gets to you, here's what he does. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens their door, I will come into them. He won't force you to be one of his sheep, but he will invite you persistently. And if you're in this place today, and more than a sermon being preached, you know that Jesus is knocking on your life. Jesus is inviting you. And today, you want to open up the door and say, Jesus, please come in and save me and take away my sins. That's why he died. If that's you, I have every head bowed because it's between you and God. The reason why I have people raise their hands is because somebody helped me pray and open my door and I love to help people with the words to pray that prayer. So if that's you, Jesus is knocking and you want to open your door, would you just raise your hand real high right now long enough for me to see it? I see that hand. God bless you all over this place. Just raise your hand real high. I see that hand. You guys can put those down. I see that hand over there. You can put those down. Anybody else by upraised hand? This is, this is heaven's greatest joy. Is somebody coming home that's been away? All right, I'm going to ask those that raise their hands just to put your hand over your heart. Pray something like this in your own words. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I am a sheep that has been harassed and helpless spiritually. Lord, I believe you're here today. I believe you're knocking on my door. And Lord, right now, by faith, I am opening my door. Come in. Save me. Wash away my sins. I receive that gift of eternal life. I don't want to cling to my right, to my own life. I repent of that, in fact, and ask you to be my Lord, not just my Savior, but my Lord. And give me grace to serve you today and forever, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Then could we all stand to our feet? And if you're here today and you would just say this to God, God, thank you. Thank you for being my friend. I want to be your friend. Would you enlarge my heart? Would you just open your arms like this if that's, if that's your prayer? You just want God to come and enlarge your heart. Lord, here's what's moving to me. Everybody that's got their arms open right now, They have their own life. They've got their own needs that they need you to do things for that are unmet right now, that are not finished. Prayer requests, they've prayed that, but even in the midst of our lack, even in the midst of everything not being right in our lives, here's what we're saying, Jesus. Lord, I'm I'm not waiting until my life is perfect before I'm willing to be your friend. I want to be your friend right now. I want to know your heart. I want to feel your compassion. I want to be moved by those things.
things that move you. I don't want to just do the task. I don't want to just give some money. I want to share your heart. I, if we have a debt to the nations, I want to take it on. I want to take it on for the rest of my life. I want to restrict my freedom some because somebody else needs to hear the gospel. And I want to be part of the solution on this planet. Jesus, come and take me higher, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.